Welcome to the Benwood Johnson Podcast. You can visit Dr. Johnson's blog at benwoodpost.com. Dr. Johnson's works can be found at drbenwoodjohnson.com. You can also support Dr. Johnson on Patreon, the link to which is in the description. Welcome back. Welcome to the Benwood Jensen Podcast. Uh, today is July 5th, 2021. This is podcast number 69. Uh, once again, I am happy to have you back uh, to, for another episode uh, of the Benwood Jensen Podcast. Uh, today, we are going to continue our conversation about crime. Now, remember, crime has different connotations, uh, different understandings. Uh, but in this particular podcast or in this particular season, uh, you know, we're talking about crime from a philosophical standpoint. We're talking about crime from a philosophical lens. And what that means is that we're going to examine the concept uh, outside the box. Okay, We're not going to go into some technical jargons as to, you know, what so-and-so thinks crime is and how this particular entity, this particular school of thought defines the concept. I believe that uh, crime has so many implications for the individual, so many implications for the person, that it is important to examine this understanding from a philosophical standpoint. But this particular podcast, this particular entry, is, is in- introducing the concept in a way that makes it much more malleable uh, for you to digest. So without further ado, let us delve right into it. An important question to ask is, what is crime? Now, there are a number of books, articles, uh, other types of materials, podcasts, audio, um, videos, all sorts of materials that are dedicated to answering this question. And most of these sources, if I could call them that, always talk about crime from the perspective of the individual who is examining the concept. In other words, crime is described or understood as a wrong so prohibited by the law so perpetrated by someone and so consumed by someone. In other words, because of a law that says such and such conduct is criminal, any person who engages in such a conduct and the conduct itself has an impact on either an individual or society as a whole, the person who engaged in that conduct is said to be a criminal. So almost every facet of the concept of crime is based 
on that understanding that crime in and of itself is a wrong so forbidden and so perpetrated by somebody. Now, from a philosophical standpoint, there are other ways of understanding the term crime. We're going to talk about those ways. But to get to that, we have to go back. And what that means is that we have to dig a little deeper into the foundations of understandings about crime, what it is, who engage in such a behavior, and why it is important for society to punish those who engage in similar conduct. So this podcast is going to examine these concepts. But before we do that, um, let me give you an overview as to what it is that we're going to be talking about. Today, we are just going to sort of give you a glimpse as to what it is that we're going to discuss in this series of podcasts. So first of all, we have to understand crime in terms of how people understand it or understood it, how philosophers, major thinkers looked at the concept. So we have to look at crime in terms of its theories, or should we say theories of crime. So we have to understand different explanations as to why crime occur. And there are quite a few of them. For example, there are explanations that are based on certain spiritual understanding as to why crime or why people engage in crime or in criminal behaviors. There is what we call a scientific understanding as to why people commit crime. There is a natural explanation as to why people engage in criminal conduct. There are interpretations, understandings as to why people engage in certain behaviors. In other words, there are what we call a classical understanding as to what crime is. Um, there's also what we call a positivist understanding. And the classical understanding is based on the notion that uh, a person's level of intelligence, um, a person's capacity to, to reason, in other words, rationality, are at the base, or if you want, are the foundation of the concept of crime, at the foundation of, of human behavior, the foundation of why people behave a certain way. And by positivist, we're talking about this understanding that there are certain factors within the individual, there are certain uh, realities which explain the reason people engage in criminal behaviors. And those realities are, in general, within the purview of the individual. They're under the individual's control. This understanding, as I've sort of alluded in the beginning, uh, is the basis for how crime is sort of understood, especially in modern societies, where whoever engages in a conduct which is deemed criminal, that individual ought to be held responsible for that conduct because he, he alone acted with this de desire, with this willingness, with this intent, to put it this way, to commit the crime. Therefore, the individual ought to be held responsible. And the individual ought to be held responsible for various reasons, one of which is, is deterrence. It is a way of telling other individuals that there are consequences for certain conduct. 
or for certain actions. And when you engage in a similar conduct, then you are going to pay the price. And the ultimate price is death penalty and imprisonment for life. Okay, so th those are based on the positivist approach to what crime is. We're going to look at crime in terms of how society sort of structures these concepts. Uh, we're going to look at ideas evoked or ideas made famous by, uh, you know, thinkers such as uh, Beccaria. We're going to talk about concepts of crime in terms of how, for example, somebody like uh, Cesare Lombroso understood crime and how he sort of articulated the concept. But we're also going to examine the uh, what is known as the natural, or if you will, the biological factors of crime. So what induces the person naturally, the intrinsic, intrinsic reality, the, the intrinsic traits, intrinsic characteristics within a person which made it or make it possible for that individual to engage in criminal behaviors. So we're going to examine that concept as well. So usually when we're talking about, you know, those characteristics, we're talking about the, the person's look, appearance, uh, you know, certain, uh, you know, idiosyncrasies in the person's beingness. And this is the rational for understandings about how certain people with certain skin tone, certain characteristics are prone to criminal behavior. And in this case, I'm talking about black people, this understanding that black people are inherently criminal. It is based on that understanding that there, is a, there are certain biological factors in the individual which makes it uh, likely for that person to engage in certain criminal behavior. So we're going to address this uh, in terms of the idiosyncrasies, to see it again, uh, that sort of pervade the literature about what crime is and who, who who's a criminal. Within the concept of classical criminology, a classical approach to crime, we're going to talk about those uh, or ideas which sort of explain the reason certain people are likely to commit crime based on certain physical traits, certain characteristics, psychological factors, for example. For example, the link between a person's intelligence or a person's IQ, if you will, with criminal behavior. Um, you know, this idea that people that, are, that have low IQ are also likely to engage in criminal behavior. So we're going to examine these concepts, but we're also going to look at the understanding that environmental issues, particularly social issues, uh, in this case we're talking about the person's uh, capacity to provide for the self, a person's financial situation, a person's economic realities could also become or be a factor in whether or not the person engages in certain criminal behavior behaviors. So we're going to look at all these concepts and try to make sense of them. So in the end, we're going to talk about theories which purport, uh, you know, why people commit crime. And we're going to sum this up by looking at the, the implications, the philosophical implications of looking at crime from these angles. Because one of the key factors we have to consider when we're talking about crime is the notion that criminals are bad individuals. They're bad people, right? So anytime somebody engages in a criminal behavior, that individual is inherently or intrinsically bad. Philosophically speaking, this is erroneous. This is false. This is a fallacy, right? And this idea that certain individuals are likely to commit crime, it's a fallacy. Crime is not inherent 
to a particular person so long as it is inherent in every individual. Because crime in and of itself is not necessarily a conduct or a behavior. Rather, it is a reaction to a reality which is defined the conduct in such a way. And what that means is that if the conduct itself is not defined as criminal, it is not criminal in and of itself. In other words, if I were to do something that is not deemed as criminal, that act would not be deemed criminal or I would not be deemed a criminal simply for the fact that the, the conduct itself is not deemed as such. Once a conduct is deemed criminal, is considered criminal, and it is, it is, I would say, it is codified as to be punishable under a particular presets of, of law and whatnot, then that conduct become criminal. And I, if I were to engage in such a conduct, I would be deemed a criminal. So the criminality in and of itself has no inherency in terms of righteousness or virtue, right? It has nothing to do with being good or evil. Or evil. The idea of being righteous and being a criminal is a fallacy. And it is also linked to the understanding that certain people are likely to commit crime as opposed to others. And these are the foundation of the whole fallacy that sort of characterizes society. And when we're looking at the concept from a philosophical standpoint, it becomes clear that we could not define crime as a wrong so long as a wrong defines a crime. Okay, so we're going to be talking about this concept. We're going to delve into these, these understandings and sort of refute, rebuke uh, fallacies that sort of pervade the literature, that pervade our understandings about what crime is and who criminals are. So we're going to argue to the contrary. If criminality is a wrong, then it is always a wrong. And if people are criminal, every human being is criminal. And what that means is that those who kill for X or Y, and those who kill for W and Z are also criminal. So there shouldn't be any distinction between those who kill because they are asked to do so, or those who kill because they are paid to do so, or those who kill because they face a situation in which they, they behave a certain way. So if you're going to put Joan in death penalty for the crime of homicide, then you should put uh, Joseph in the same category, whether or not Joseph has a license to kill, whether that person is a police officer or in the military and whatnot, so long as you kill, killing should be wrong no matter who commits it and under any circumstance. Otherwise, the act itself is only wrong so long as we, def we define it as such. And, and, and if, you, if you look at crime from that perspective, you can see how wrong, at least how misguided that understanding is. Yeah.